be nice to your mom today if she's with you. Uh, there really are a lot of great mom jokes out there. Uh, I just can't resist sharing a few of my favorite one-liners. Um, so maybe this is where I'm going to need your grace. Uh, my mother could make anybody feel guilty. She used to get letters of apology from people she didn't even know. If evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? Most children threaten at times to run away from home. This is the only thing that keeps some parents going. A mother takes 20 years to make a man out of her boy, and another woman makes a fool out of him in 20 minutes. Children are a great comfort in your old age, and they help you reach it a lot faster, too. I'd like to be the ideal mother, but I'm too busy raising my kids. Any child can tell you that the sole purpose of a middle name is so that he can tell when he's really in trouble. We spend the first 12 months of our children's lives teaching them to walk and talk and the next 12 years telling them to sit down and shut up. And here's the last one. My mother tried to kill me when I was a baby. She denied it. She said she thought the plastic bag would keep me fresh. Okay. Uh, A working mom criticized a stay-at-home mom, and she said, you've never worked a day in your life. Of which the stay-at-home mom says, I raised four sons. Some stay-at-home moms feel bad because they're asked, what do you do? And they say, I'm just a mom. Just a mom? There's no more important or influential role in all the world. The role of business and military and politics and anything else pale in comparison to the role of a mother. For who shapes lives like a mom? Her words are never fully forgotten. Her her touch leaves a deep impression. Her love lasts a lifetime. Abraham Lincoln said, no one is poor who had a godly mother. It's a high and noble calling, ladies, and desperately needed. And it's getting to be and is more so a challenge than it's ever been. Proverbs chapter 24, 3 and 4 says, by wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established through knowledge. Its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. If you want to build a house right now, and it's very expensive to do so, you use brick and mortar and wood and nails. But if you want to build a home, you use the three building blocks mentioned here in Proverbs. Wisdom, which is the ability to see as God sees. Understanding is the skill to respond to life challenges with insight. And knowledge is having perception in moral issues, not just head knowledge, kind of heart knowledge is how the Bible uses it. And God gives mom all three. You had a nine month head start on dad. You you felt that child moving within you. You sensed Things about her that no one else could. You prayed for him even before he was born. I think the jolt of responsibility first hits us dads when we hold our baby for the first time. But mom, you felt that months before. You know her needs. You understand what her cries mean. You're wise in the way that he should go. 
And what are the benefits of motherhood? And I quote, a home established in strength and filled with pleasant riches of charity and memories. We're going to look at a young man today whose life was shaped by a godly woman, mother, and his name was Timothy. He, he was a very special young man, so special, in fact, that the Apostle Paul sought him out at the end of his life. He was in prison in Rome and would soon be beheaded by Emperor Nero. Paul writes in 2 Timothy, I've run the course of my life. I'm at the very end here. And he's writing Timothy that. They met when Paul, early in his ministry, in his traveling ministry throughout Europe, met at Lystra, where he was stoned and left for dead. Later, at the end of his life, he wrote Timothy two letters. Second Timothy is known to be Paul's last letter. And it is a letter that drips with emotion. You, you can get a feel from reading Second Timothy that Paul is weary and tired. He's been in prison for several years now. But he longs to see Timothy. So let's read Second Timothy chapter 1, 3 through 7. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I, am rem I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. <clears throat> For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. Let's go through this text. Verse three, Paul mentions a clear conscience. Well, what a wonderful gift that is to come to the end of your life and have no regrets. He says that I'm constantly remembering you in my prayers, Timothy. He was constantly thinking about this young man and praying for him. Who's praying for you? I'll bet your mom is or did. And then in the following verses, there are five contributions that I believe that Eunice made into Timothy's life, that we don't normally think of her this way. So that's how I want you to kind of gear your thinking rather than just toward Timothy from her to him that empowered him to be who he was. And the first one is tenderness. Paul mentions in verse four, recalling your tears. So Paul saw Timothy cry. When? Uh, perhaps when Timothy visited Paul in hospital. In, in the prison and he saw him chained and, and it just opened up his soft heart and he cried. Maybe that was when, but maybe some other time. But to cry as a man shows that you're tender and sensitive. You, you've heard the adage, big boys don't cry and, and don't cry. Stop crying. Be a man. You know, that's bad advice. Boys usually don't learn to cry from their dads, but from their moms. They usually learn tenderness from their mothers. I don't ever remember my dad crying much. In fact, I was just trying to think about that this week. Do I ever remember seeing my dad cry? He probably did. I just don't remember it. But I do remember my mom crying often, and I know I caused some of those tears. 
So moms, give your sons especially permission to be tender. Kids today can often be so mean to each other and life is going to be hard. So your sons, your daughter, they they need a, a soft place to land. So be that soft place for them. Be that tender place for them to fall. They learn and need tenderness from you. Dads teach our kids many valuable lessons of hard work and toughness and perseverance. But moms, you have something unique to add there, tenderness that they really need. A second thing that Eunice gave to Timothy was a sincere faith. We see that in verse 5. So one's heritage and roots are very important. My, my dad is really into genealogy. He, he studied this and has gone really far back in our family tree to find out our heritage. And our family comes from the UK, mostly England and Ireland and Scotland. And on my mom's side, it was France. But what's really more important is the heritage of faith that you transmit from yourself to your children. I have a rich heritage of faith from both sides of my family. All four grandparents were Christians. Aunts and uncles, most of them that I, I remember were believers in Jesus Christ. My, my parents were strong Christians. I have a wife that loves Jesus, two sons that believe. I, I feel so blessed with this heritage of faith. Not everybody has that. I, I know today some generation, they were the first Christian in their family. Not for me. I've had generations of believers in my family and God has no grandkids, only children. So that faith, mom, that you're passing on to your children, they're going to have to make that their own. But it's important that your faith is passed down. It's really crucial to their development. So you're sharing your faith with them is so vitally important. And Eunice had a sincere faith. And that word means unhypocritical. Authentic, real, that there's evidence for it. So it wasn't just words that she was giving to him, though I'm sure she was, but it, it was her life. Timothy was seeing Christianity lived out through her life, and, and that's what really makes the impact. We read in 2 Timothy 3.15 something about Eunice here. It's, it's spoken to Timothy, but it says, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we know he had to have learned about God and the Scriptures from his mom and grandmother. Paul tells us here in this other passage. So moms, teach your children the word of God. They're never too young to start. Let them see you reading the Scripture and then read it to them and talk about it with them. Now, there's no mention in 2 Timothy 1 about Paul's father. We don't know anything about him here, at least. So had he been dead for a while? And so that made me think, I wonder if some of Timothy's upbringing, at least, he was raised by a single mom. If that was the case, then that should encourage single moms out there that you're child can turn out wonderfully good. And I hope that encourages you. And I want to say, I don't know how single moms do it. I have such admiration for you that alone that you're you're raising your children, that, that it's an amazing thing. I really don't think that I could do it. 
Acts 16, 1, though, tells us early in Paul's ministry, many years ago, from the writing of 2 Timothy, he, Paul, came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish, was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. So that means the father was an unbeliever. He, he was a pagan. He worshipped the Greek pantheon of gods. No one was an atheist in that day. So what that tells us is that it was Eunice's faith that prevailed in that household. There were two religions in the household, but the father's influence did not win the day. The moms did. And so perhaps your home is like that as you're listening to me this morning, that you have an unbelieving husband, but you're a believer, mom. That, again, should encourage you because we see how Timothy turned out. He turned out great, even though he didn't have a believing father, as important as fathers are in the home. And your children can turn out well spiritually, too. And I want you to know, I think you know this, that the church is here to aid you and help you. We want to come alongside of you, especially single moms or or mothers in homes where the father isn't a believer. Uh, Whether it's Sunday school or the junior church program or kids program on Wednesday night, the youth program. We don't take the place of you, but we come alongside of you and and supplement and, and help you in your very important role of raising your children to know Jesus. But it is your faith that's the most critical, not us here in the church, you live it out daily, you convey it to them, and, and they pick it up from you. The third thing that she gave him was, was power. Verse 7. Timothy was a pastor of a really important, influential church, the church at Ephesus, which then in the first century was a rather large city. That city happened to be the center of worship of Artemis. In the Greek Latin, it's Diana, probably the most famous Greek goddess of the ancient world. This, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was this temple that was used to worship Artemis. So Timothy's in a position as a young pastor of importance and influence, but tremendous spiritual warfare. So he needed to be equipped to pastor such a place. But we know he was shy by nature. We're we're led to believe that from God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity. That was probably Timothy's nature to be soft spoken and quiet and shy by nature. But Paul has encouraged him. You need power. You have to be bold. You, You have to take on these principalities and powers that are right there in your city. How do I do that? What produces power in our lives? Our personality? Our smarts? No, it's the Holy Spirit in Acts 1 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's the Holy Spirit within who gives us that power, but also the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. As you share the message of Christ with others, that gospel itself has power. Even if you feel like, 
I'm kind of intimidated and I, I'm timid and I'm shy about sharing my faith with people. If you just share the Jesus story, there's power in and of itself to make that difference. So share. But I think there's another way that God uses our parents and especially our mothers to give us power. And that's by believing in them, encouraging them. My mother used to say to me all the time, it became a mantra to me. It was stuck in my head. You can do anything you set your mind to do. My mom would always tell me that. And I found out why she was always telling me that, because her father never told her that. Sadly, her father told her she was dumb, ugly, and fat almost every day. And she was none of the above. So she was intentional about, I'm going to make sure my son knows that God can use him in great ways. And he can accomplish much for God. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. A fourth thing that Eunice passed on to to her son Timothy, was love. The God kind of love, which is unconditional. It's for the unlovely. It loves when we're being ugly. It seeks the highest good of someone, even if one has to sacrifice to give it. That's God's kind of love. And who loves like a mom? She washes our clothes and cooks our meals and attends to us in the middle of the night when we're sick. And drives you everywhere like a taxi and sacrifices time and money and gives her all and maybe even works a second job to provide for you so you have enough. And she prays for you and gets a tooth out of your nose. Not your nose, my nose. Back when I was a kid, when you lose, lost a tooth, you put it under your pillow And the tooth fairy visited you in the middle of the night and left a quarter under your pillow. Anyone ever anyone else remember that? Okay, so it's a good way to get some money, you know, when you're a kid. So I have this tooth and it's under my pillow. And I don't know why I just couldn't resist playing with that tooth while I was laying there in bed at night. And for some reason, somehow it wound up up my nose. Don't ask me why. I don't know why it wound up there. It just did. And then it disappeared. And it's like I got so scared and I cried out, Mom, I didn't cry out for my dad. I don't think he would know what to do. But moms always know what to do in those impossible situations. So mom just set me up and she was so calm and she just said, blow hard. Keep blowing, keep blowing. And I kept blowing and lo and behold, out it came. This little boy got his mom a Mother's Day card and it had a picture with a boy with a dirty shirt. Grass-stained knees, untied shoes. On his elbow was a Band-Aid. Inside the card, this was written in crayon. Mom, I remember the little prayer you often said over me. God help you if you ever do that again. (laughs) You know, I think my mom, she was very spiritual. She prayed that prayer a lot. Um, Growing up, my parents, and this, this is the mom's story that I would have told during the testimony time. My favorite mom's story. Growing up, my parents cleaned our little church in Canton, Ohio. So on Saturdays, they would go in and and do the cleaning, get things ready for Sunday. And so I had nothing else to do. So I was always running around, getting into things and sometimes getting behind the pulpit and pretending I was preaching a sermon. 
And on one particular time, I was just driving her crazy by running around the sanctuary. You know, for some reason, adults don't like kids to run around the sanctuary, even when no one else is there. So I'm running around the sanctuary. So she's telling me, stop running. But I kept running and I was fast and elusive. And so she lunged to grab a hold of my arm to stop me in my tracks. And she slipped on the floor. She had mopped and she hit her face against the side of a pew. She crumbled to the floor. She broke her nose and blood was coming out of her. It's like, well, you have a head injury. There's so much more blood than you can just believe. There was so much blood and I freaked out. I just started screaming hysterically. So then she was so upset about me, my how I was feeling that she was waving me over to her. And I came over to her and she grabbed a hold of me like that and kind of set me down on her lap and was just hugging me and consoling me, even though I was the one that did that to her. And as we she got up and we took her to the doctor to get her nose fixed. Um, I remember looking at my shirt and I had blood all over my shirt. I had my mom's blood. I was covered in my mom's blood. And that's such a beautiful illustration, I think, to God's love for us. That he loved us so much that he sent his precious one and only son. And he shed his precious blood for us. And Jesus's blood is all over us. And that's how we have a relationship with our father. So keep loving your kids, mom, even when you're exasperated and you don't think you can go another step. Don't give up on them. Really listen to them. Hug their insecurities. That that's wisdom and knowledge and understanding at work. And the final thing that's mentioned here in our text in verse seven, that I think that Eunice gave Timothy was self-discipline. That word means control in the face of panic or passion. And that's pretty much everyday life for moms. Moms, you need to be under control in both panic and passion. And if your child is ever going to get to the place where he or she rules over others, then they need to rule over themselves first. And so that means set limits for them, mom, dad, set boundaries within those boundaries of self-discipline and discipline. They're going to feel secure and have guidance. It seems as though parents today don't discipline the same way parents in my generation disciplined. I would get the willow switch when I was a kid. And sometimes I actually had to go cut it off or I'd get the belt or I would get paddled at school. When at school, there was corporal punishment. Some of you kids know nothing about that, where the teacher would paddle you, too, with the Board of Education. My seventh grade teacher had on his paddle. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And so after you get paddled at my school, it was customary that the teacher would call your parent and probably talk to your mom about why they paddled you at school. And I tell you this, there was never none of this. Oh, my angel Eddie would never do anything like that. It was always, yeah, it figures. And I would get it when I got home, too. Discipline is loving, the Bible says. The Bible says you hate your child if you won't discipline them. So my mom believed in discipline. One time I was complaining about supper, and she took my plate and dumped it on top of my head. And I could still feel it going right down my face and onto my lap. 
And another time I was complaining about how she didn't wash my shirt right. She had a clothes basket with my clothes in it. She opened the back door and tossed my clothes out on the bush. I could still see them hanging in the bushes. It, it was a hillbilly wash line. I tell you, I miss my mom. She was unique, one of a kind. I like this little cartoon of a mom telling her child, you've disobeyed me for the last time. From now on, you can do anything you want. Let's see the little monster disobey that. You guys don't get it. Reverse psychology. Good old reverse psychology. Okay. Discipline isn't going to kill you or your kids. It just may save them. So what does motherhood require? Tenderness, a sincere faith, power, love, and self-discipline. It also requires 180 movable parts, three pairs of hands, three sets of eyes, and most importantly, the grace of God. I want to say this morning, on behalf of our church leadership, we love you moms. We think you're special. We think you're great. There's no more important job in all the world, so stay at it. And please never doubt your high calling. Let's pray. Let's pray for our moms today. And if you're near your mom or a mom, would you just put your hand on them? And as I pray, you pray too. Lord, we are thankful for our mothers, for our grandmothers, our aunts, for stepmoms and foster moms and adoptive moms, for mentors in, in our lives that were women that ministered to us and mothered us and taught us things and, and helped us and encouraged us and empowered us by believing in us and we couldn't believe in ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for these women in our lives. We're very blessed here at Hanover Friends to have wonderful women that uh, mean so much to us and help us in so many ways. I just pray a special blessing on them today and every day and, and help those moms that have young ones in the home that are very energetic and rambunctious to just stay the course, to keep at it, keep doing what she does so well, just loving that child and pouring her values into him or her. Bless our moms, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?
Do what that song says, that you are for us and be with us and all around us and before us and behind us. Go with us this week. And may we go with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.